Alrighty, and welcome everyone to episode 10 of... Oh, wait, wait, we, we have another guest again. Oh, oh, okay. We, we're going to have our intros be done by everyone other than us? Literally everyone other than us. <laughs> uh, take it away, Alpha. Hot. So, um, I did some reading today, Myth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Dude, if, this, if, this. if you don't cry during Ada's story, you're not a real person. There's something wrong with you. It's To me, it's like listening to Swan Lake done by the agonist and just not feeling anything. Like, if, if you don't cry during that, you just there's something wrong with you. Which this, I didn't, so. A, <laughs> they're myth, you are not human. Did you not cry during either of those? Uh, I I definitely got some feels during the Black Armory papers, but uh, I did not cry during Swan Lake. So oh, you're so close, so close to being human, so close, <laughs> so close. Uh, so she's got she's got. Man, I don't I don't even know like like. What's a good spot to start with her? I, I, so, I uh, what what I was intending to do is essentially start um with the inception of the black armory and just go through the black armory papers yeah uh, that's a good spot chronologically by entry because that that yeah. leads into ada and um i'm assuming based on the sheer amount of stuff to cover that this will be a two-parter we'll see <laughs> but <laughs> i'm i'm guessing that's where we're gonna end up uh because a lot of I can we can we can paraphrase and we can uh, you know cut some cut the the uh, trim the fat on some of this, but a lot of the entries are are gonna be stuff that I I feel like we should read. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely verbatim or or close to verbatim. Um. So yeah. Uh, so, so so the so we'll start with with kind of the the start of it, which is. Uh, um, in, in, in my so I there's a lot to this story. There's there's mm-hmm. I there's there's part of it is a person looking for a purpose. There's part of it that is, um, and I I didn't really really feel this until I started reading the story. Um, this is very much like a there's a there's a women empowerment thing in this. Um, oh, absolutely, like political or anything like that. But it's it's very it's a very powerful statement. Uh, uh, to the women of Destiny, um, and especially the, the the women of Destiny universe, like it, it's there. There are a lot of very strong-willed women in this universe, and gone. That's just that's fucking awesome. Um, and it like it, and then and then the there's a, like the third pers- I guess third and fourth perspective. There's there's this perspective of survival. And then there's the perspective of just a mother trying to be, trying to trying to mother her mother her motherhood her child. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of family aspects to it, um, in a, in a number of different ways, um, mother and child, but not like, uh, sister and but, sister, but not not like not like Fast and Furious style. Like we're not like no no there's we're... there's no the power of family wins all battles. No, we're not. We're not propelling cars into space or anything. 
<laughs> okay. Well, uh. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, that complete. I, <laughs> off the tracks already. We ain't even gotten started yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, this all starts, though. It, it hits all these facets, but it all starts with a singular idea from a single woman. Um, and that, that idea being a, I don't know if mistrust is the right word, but a, a want to not be reliant on the traveler. Um, and so we, we enter at the Black Armory Papers entry 10. Uh, I'm going to go over a lot of the entries. There are a few that I've cut because they, they're just kind of superfluous world building and I don't want this to be three hours long if I can help it. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's quite a significant portion that are left in. Um, but so in entry 10. The, at this moment, unknown author, but I feel like it's perfectly, it, we're, we're okay to say who, who is writing these. It's not a big spoiler. Um, yeah. So the, the author of these is Henriette Marin. Um, she is French, as far as we can tell. Uh, and uh, she... And uh, her her clan, her family, represents the butterfly symbols within the black armory uh, gear and and iconology. Um, yep. And and the butterfly is going to be that's that's going to be very important going forward because that I I think that plays a there's a significant yeah anyway, there's there's a few scenes where that that kind of has some some poetic justice to it but uh so begins henrietta uh essentially saying that um that she has a has a, a daughter uh that sounds like has recently been born or is fairly young at least um I, if I were to guess, they never say an age, but if I were to guess, I'd say around like eight to twelve kind of age range. Um, I was I was thinking even younger than that. I'm, I'm maybe so like a young girl. Maybe so. Like I said, they they never specify. Um, but she says uh, a gigantic a gigantic ominous ball floats in the sky over other planets and terraforms them. If something like the Traveler exists. Doesn't it stand to reason there's more out there we don't know? So many people treat the Traveler like it's not this completely alien thing that we still know nearly nothing about. Sure, we've benefited from it immensely, but so many people around the world put their blind trust in it, their faith even, to a fault, a huge one. So I found this interesting. So she she immediately has a a uh, cautiousness around the traveler and the idea of we are just, you know, blindly following this thing because it's been helping us. And it, it re cause this is all happening during the golden age um, yep. at this point in time during the entries. And it is interesting to see that, you know, the golden age didn't have any clue 
what the traveler was was doing and and we've seen this elsewhere but it just kind of reconfirms they didn't have any more information about the traveler's motivations in the golden age than we do now i Uh, and i don't think any of that has changed in the last nope oh i don't know since the traveler showed up yeah it is still this big ass unknown in the sky like we we genuinely have no clue what its purpose of being here why it chose earth like and we've talked about this in previous episodes the only thing unique to earth itself specifically earth is humanity mm-hmm. and 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 the fact that that uh uh henrietta is like we can't trust this thing yeah. like not 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 just like 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 a like a i don't want to trust this thing like we can't like if everyone, this thing just showed up and everyone was like, oh, pretty, awesome, cool, let's go play with it. What what the hell else is lurking out there? Yeah, it, it's it's kind of funny. The The tone I get from reading this is, is like she, her perspective is like, am I the only one that realizes we have a giant alien just giving us shit and think that's weird? Like, <laughs> Right. Like she's really the, she has that mindset of like, and, and it's funny too. Cause like it, anytime I think of, of any type of like alien interaction, obviously the only thing we, we as, we as humans have to go off of is Hollywood. And so I think of movies like, like, um, uh, arrival or contact, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's every, every time that we show, uh, an interaction an, an interaction there it's very mysterious it's very foreboding it's very cautious it's very like everything about meeting something that isn't from our planet that is alive that has that that puts forth some sort of intelligence or life or, or whatever is feared is like we are genuinely scared of it in in pretty much every depiction of uh uh aliens uh, i put that in quotations uh in hollywood and so it's 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 weird to me to think that like in the destiny universe everyone's just accepted this thing yeah and uh for henrietta to be like the one person on the entire earth nay the entire solar system because (laughs) we're in the golden age people have branched out to mars to venus to titan to io literally the entire solar system and she's just like hey um maybe don't trust this thing blindly maybe well and she maybe think about it for a second she confirmed something here that i think is interesting as well because i i think we see some of this mirrored even uh in in the present time in the destiny world um she says uh so many people around the world put their blind trust in it their faith even that implies to me that essentially religions have formed around the traveler during oh, the golden absolutely. age. Absolutely. Uh, which I can't help but wonder is the speaker as we know it just a remnant of one of those religions. I think so. I think the speaker, I think new monarchy, I think future war cult, I think dead orbit, I think all of these all of these factions are religions that formed around the traveler because when you think about them individually they all have some sort of centralized belief of of what we should be doing to the traveler and for the traveler and with the traveler and around the traveler like every i i truly believe that all these factions are the the end result of i don't want to say all all religions because i i i don't i i think when the traveler shows up 
and and this is just purely me just spin foiling my hat around um, in my head. I I I believe that that when the travelers showed up, humanity as a whole kind of looked at itself and was like, oh my god, what the hell? First, and then was like, well, this is clearly some sort of god. I mean, look what it's doing. It's it's turning Earth's hat. It's turning planets habitable. It, this must be some some form of godness or some some sort of of ex, extraordinary power that that we as humans don't understand and so it's it's like the vex turning to the to the darkness like the the vex looking at the darkness and going i don't understand how this works it it must it it's it's outside of my understanding. I am therefore going to worship it as a god. And we've seen that we've seen mm-hmm. that throughout a lot of Destiny. Shiraido looking at Mara saying, "Should I worship you as a god? Because you know you you're so confident in what's going to happen. It, it's like you are a god." And so that's that's interesting to me that that that. Um, wow, we really jumped off this. <laughs> <laughs> We went deep all of a sudden, and it's only been five minutes. <laughs> it was it was interesting. It's interesting to me to think that um, that these different factions and 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 the way that Henrietta describes it as as people putting their faith, blind faith, into into the traveler, that mm-hmm. it, it it isn't looked at as a religious symbol of some. Yeah, and she she approaches it as a um, from a, a perspective of have we have we given up too much in the pursuit of this, this faith? Uh, it says yeah. we've let ourselves become hypnotized by the traveler into thinking we're all safe. We've let ourselves become naive about the world around us. We've let our guard down on a personal level, all in the name of achieving world peace and all we claim because the traveler inspired us to do so. We're comfortable, complacent, unprepared for the next time fate tells to wash us all away. And make no mistake, it will. So she's already seeing this from the viewpoint of like, we have all gotten so comfortable that we can't defend ourselves if the time were to come where we need to. And she seems confident even here that that time will come. Um, and, and I think some of this is, well, I think a lot of it is spurred on by in an instinct to protect her, her child. Um, Absolutely. Cause she says here, my, my daughter's not old enough yet to comprehend the traveler, but she is impressionable enough to become weakened by it. Like the rest of society. Should I let her, I will not let her. Uh, and I think that's really the only clue we have is as to like the, the age. age. Yeah. And, and, and that's like, I, I, again, I, I think, I think you, you might, I, I took her as a very, very, very young child, like literally like like five or six, maybe seven. But it's interesting to think of her as like eight to twelve. But I, I somewhere in that range, definitely, as far as as definitely but not now, teenage. Now a, well, now here's a here's a funny thing. We know human lifespan has tripled, so who's to say that growth hasn't changed? Well, I don't think that's the case. And I only say that because if we look at Micah's story from the Penguins, um, mm-hmm. you know, Micah was 10 years old and doing like thermodynamics and nuclear physics in his That's classes true. at the time. So, um, and I, I, 
I don't know that he mentions... I feel like he mentioned his, his parents' age in there somewhere or made a reference to it. And I, I don't feel like they were past, you know, 100 or something or, or something like that. I'd have to sure. go back and, and look. Sure. Um, the, the impression I've gotten thus far, though, is essentially like the the beginnings the beginning stages of life are, are still very similar as far as like, you know, childhood and adolescence and, and yeah. teenage years and whatnot. All of those seem um, very, very much the same as far as de- developmental cycle. Uh, it seems it's, it's after reaching adulthood that it's just the adult life that has been sure. expanded, or at least that was, that has always been my interpretation. Which is, which jump on topics again uh which is interesting to think like if 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 we know we know that the age lasts longer but is the aging process itself different different as in Mm. like when i if if i were to look at somebody who is 250 years old would they look as if they were 250 years old or would they look like what we would consider if we consider you know a third of that yeah you know two-thirds of that, whatever is a normal human lifespan, would they look like they were just 60 or 70 to us? That's a good question. I I get the impression again that, uh, how to say, like, usable lifespan, or, or I get the impression that someone that is like 100 in Destiny's world would appear and act the same as what we would equate to, like, a 40 to 50 year old that's what i'm thinking too um I, I, I feel like that's pretty accurate so i'm i'm curious if if like the like like yeah yeah no i i i think you're i think you're right in that in as far as that growth and i know we're we are way off topic now <laughs> um but i i think you're right as far as like that that adolescent period and we could be wrong like when when micah talks about being talks about uh um he, he does. He does specifically mention being ten, and then the fact that he becomes Micah ten. Yeah, that that is may very significant. It may but not be one hundred percent accurate. Right, ten may not be ten Earth years. Yeah, we don't know how they measure age. If if they because have a universal calendar, I feel like they'd have to have some kind and of universal you, and, calendar. Well, and and because we know Mars spins fast, tra- it, it takes Mars longer to go around the sun. Because obviously it has a, a wider orbit and a different speed and all that jazz. Yeah. Like it's we so he could be ten Martian years old, which would put him at should equate to something different. Yeah. Like sixty for Earth or something. You know, I don't I don't know the the conversion, um, which now I know somebody is going to go look it up <laughs> right now. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, so we don't we don't know what the we don't know the age of the daughter, but she is. Uh not yet old enough to comprehend the traveler but but impressionable enough to be weakened by uh society's interpretation essentially yeah um and she's very intentionally going to keep her away from that that weakness uh so in the next entry uh her suspicions henrietta's suspicions are all but confirmed um says we are not alone with the traveler something else has been detected out there an anomaly of sorts. I'm lucky to have friends in informative places who tell me these things. So, 
something and and there's there's only 15 entries between here the first one's entry 10 the second one is entry 25 uh, these are like journal entries of a sort so yeah. even if we're assuming like an entry once a month or something um you know it, it's this is they knew the darkness was coming they didn't know this, what this it was, but they the, knew something this is was coming. The start of the collapse. This is like, this is the like, very first indications that like trouble is like, on the horizon. Possibly happening the same time that uh, uh, Exodus Green is taken off. Yeah, uh, maybe because there, I think there's a there's a bit of time that passes between. Because we, we, in the entries, we actually get to the point where the darkness has arrived. Yeah. Um, and it, there's, there's a number of entries between this and when that happens. Um, but definitely Exodus Green was at least in the preparation stage, if nothing else. Sure. Like getting ready Absolutely. to launch. Um, so, uh, so she's talking about like, uh, how are we supposed to... Oh, She's talking about like what, how she can defend herself and her family. He goes, but how are we supposed to do that when the means to defend ourselves are not in the people's hands anymore? Don't get me wrong. It's not like I don't understand those decisions. They make sense. But having a child changes your perspective on life. I won't feel comfortable unless I am the one doing something to protect my family. I can't be the only one. And I won't do it alone. I know just the right people who would appreciate the opportunity to be a part of something like this. Something that the powers that be would never sanction. But like I've said in the past, we don't know what else is out there in the universe. What we or our children or our children's children might have to face one day. So I found a particular line here interesting. Yeah. Uh, what are we supposed to do when the means to defend ourselves are not in the people's hands anymore? So it sounds like civilians have been disarmed. So, so there's there's several things that I thought of while reading that as well. Siva exists. The war the Warmind Network exists. The Warmind Network exists, and Cold I spray exists. Yes. So, but it sounds like weaponry the exists. Like everything, everything to me points here as as like an average civilian like that blind faith yeah is, is very much like we don't we don't even care anymore like it's it's not we even don't, a we don't need to defend age. ourselves like we, because we'll never have to worry it. about it exactly yeah the traveler will provide type thing and it's funny that i use those words because i didn't even think about it until i said that that exact line it's exactly what mithrax says the, the lixney have provide. a very very similar i don't want to say zealotous but a very uh, profound religious connection yeah. to the traveler, um, and and so for for humanity to kind of see that same thing now it it doesn't seem as strange, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it 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 seems odd when you think about it at first, but then like they, the humanity is I I don't want to say like like what you said like completely disarmed civilians, but th there's no no. I don't want to say nobody cares or, or, or it doesn't matter anymore, but it's, it almost seems that way, right? Like it, there's, 
it's all the weaponry and all the all the things that need to exist to protect us mm -hmm. exist outside of our normal everyday life it's an odd dichotomy to see on one hand a a person that's just a, a normal civilian at this point um you know not part of any special group or anything uh saying like we don't have the ability to defend ourselves whereas on the other hand we know for a fact that at the same time that this person is saying i don't have the means to defend myself you have clovis bray making exos somewhat with the intention of making himself immortal but also with the intention of having an army yeah. uh you have uh the the war mind network which is in in and of itself a giant weapon you it have it's, it's 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 a weapon the size of the solar system which it, it it that alone like that thought alone a weaponry system of war sets that is the size of our solar system that is freaking huge so to think so mm -hmm. so it's, it to me it's not really a stretch that civilian civilian life is just as peaceful and and th there's no reason for for weaponry to even exist like yeah i think the how, only how, how do you fight so how, how do you come up with weaponry like if, if if something were to attack the the solar system and we have the war mine system and we have the entire war mine network and and that fails you you're screwed like there's yeah a, a weapon the size of the solar system just failed you can, there is nothing you as a, as a civilian as a, as a military person as a as a as a human race as all of humanity is going to be able to do to outdo what just killed your entire army or your entire your entire weaponry system well yes and no um <laughs> Now, one one thing that I do find interesting is that we know Exodus Green left armed to the teeth. A mostly yeah. because they didn't know what was out there, but the fact that it did leave as heavily, uh, you know, weaponized as it did means that it had the ability to leave as heavily heavily weaponized yeah. as it did. So, like, they existed somewhere. Yeah, you know, they they talked about the um not antimatter but the the matter rifles that the awoken used that were leftovers from the the shipwreck during the theology war or theodicy war. I am war. curious. I am curious if Clovis was holistically militaristic and that he was the sole like the Clovis everything. He was the one making I'm I'm thinking that he is the sole maker and and creator of weaponry at the time. I just because of the war set, the the war mine program, the SIVA program, and the EXO program, all of that is Clovis. That's true. That's true. And, um, and those those are the main thing. Now, granted, when we look in game, we know we have things like Suros, we have Hake, we have uh, Vice. You know, we but have different things did those here. weapon foundries come after the fact? Because exactly. I don't know that there's any evidence that they were around during the Golden Age. Right. Say I, the... I think that all of these quote-unquote weapon foundries were post-collapse. Yeah. I, I think so, too. Um, so, generally speaking, then, 
the you know Henrietta is concerned because if something were to happen, she doesn't want to just blindly trust the systems at play. She she wants the comfort of knowing that she is doing something that she yeah. is actively you know doing whatever is is possible to defend herself and her family. Um, and she apparently knows some people that yep. are are of the same mindset or that would not uh would be willing to help her um and in the next entry we discover who those people are so she says so this is what success looks like we three putting a stake in the ground for what we believe in some may disagree with what we're doing i don't care we have to champion all that we hold dear who we are, our values, our cultures, all that we believe in as human beings. This is why we founded the Black Armory. I am so lucky to have found Helga and Yuki, my co-founders, who share these feelings so deeply. The Black Armory owes its continued success to them. I am in awe. Helga's formerly from Clovis Bray. She handles the business side of things. Yuki is our resident engineer, handles the science and mechanics of it all. We've become one big family. I couldn't be happier. So, this is this is Helga uh, Helga Rasmussen. His last name Rasmussen. Yeah. And uh, Yuki uh, Saito. Saito. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we we get introduced to these two characters, um, and and say they. Uh, their stamps, just like Henrietta's, are all over the Black Armory gear. Um, Helga mm-hmm. Rasmussen uh, is where some of the um, more Norse uh, inspirations come from in Black Armory yep. gear. Uh, she is likely the creator of Jotun. Uh, so love it or hate it, blame her. I, uh, I, I am 100% <laughs> after reading Jotun's entry a few times times she mm-hmm. is she's 100% behind it like and plus it's got her symbol so the the Rasmussen yeah. clan's symbol is the the hand uh the the uh green usually green and gold coloration mm-hmm. but the the palm uh symbol is hers and, uh and from from what i read about Jotun's entry and and what i know about Helga i i think Jotun to be partial black armory tech partial Powerful close, absolutely yes, uh, and so she actually has had a couple um, sightings in the lore prior to this uh, during her time at Clovis Bray. Um, so Ooh, she I didn't even think to look into Clovis Bray stuff after I realized that she was <laughs> Clovis Bray. So she very specifically uh, worked on the EXO project. Now it's unclear if she was there to see it to fruition. I don't believe so. Um, however, she was there during the initial kind of Clovis figuring out how to make an EXO. Uh, so now was, was not to jump mm-hmm. topics again. Uh, do we know if the EXO program wholly started on Europa? Like, like was everything about the, Clo- the, the EXO program on done and, and thought of and created on Europa or was there parts of it that was created either on earth or, or some other place. I don't know if we have confirmation one way or the other. I have been under the impression 
from most of the lore we've read, as well as where all of the lore regarding it is found, that it was entirely on Europa. Okay. Um, that's my interpretation, at least. I don't. I have not come across anything that I can remember that has suggested otherwise. And, like and I said, the only reason why I ask is because we know that mm-hmm. Exo's Exo existed before the um, darkness with Radiolarian stuff. Because yes, because they the, the darkness with Radiolarian is what prevented them from having the the disassociation. Right, uh, but they were and, created prior to that. Just there were no successful right. creations. Um, Except and so Clovis two maybe. I don't know if you call that successful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Regardless, Helga works for Clovis. Helga works for Clovis. Uh, and this this is kind of important. So she was a part of the EXO program. She was one of the uh, one of the scientists on part of the EXO program, and she shows up in. Uh, in the entry card called test number 312 exo arm attachment uh and in that test um they are they have they have attached an exo arm a fully robotic exo arm to an otherwise uh normal human being and this was kind of their first foray into like clovis was was all about trying to evolve humanity Uh, he was all about trying to become a better human or, or whatever the next step of humanity was. And before he came upon the idea or, or the proof of con had the proof of concept for a fully like robotic body, he was trying to see how much of a human can I replace? Uh, like one, like one bit at a time. Yeah. Needless to say. This <laughs> this uh, experiment did not go well. Uh, the the robotic appendage ended up being too much of a draw, like uh, from a on a biological standpoint, it drew too much from the the body for the uh, test subject to survive the the test, um, as often goes with Clovis's tests. Uh, and Helga was the one overseeing this. Um, and she was very much... She didn't, like, you know, break down and call him a monster and, and all this thing. But she was very clearly not okay with just the callous nature that Clovis had towards towards these people. Um, and we know that... She did, uh, she was there at least up until they had um, started experimenting with uh, injecting uh, Vex Radiolarian into people to see what it did, essentially. Yep. Uh, because there's another lore entry where she is not present, but she is mentioned by the scientists there, um, where they're injecting a person with Radiolarian and essentially watching them turn into a vex. Uh, and someone says that, you know, oh, we should probably have Helga here for this, for this experiment. You know, she's, um, she knows the ins and outs of the engineering of these processes. And it's essentially, uh, Clovis essentially says, no, I don't want her here. 
uh, she doesn't always have the interest of pure science in mind. So already getting the vibe that she was kind of not okay with how things were going. Absolutely. Like there's so eventually we will cover Clovis and we will learn. (laughs) And well, I say we will learn. We will tell you as, as the viewer, how freaking nuts this guy was. And some of you may delete so your exos after that. <laughs> <laughs> some of you all may maybe come awoken after that. <laughs> Others will make exos. <laughs> Others will make exos. This is very true. That is a very, very true statement. So, needless to say, um, that's Helga's background coming into the Black Armory. Uh, Yuki Saito, we really don't have any other information about. Um, I, I couldn't find anything on her other than Black Armory. The story. only entries, yeah, I found were, were all related to Black Armory. F- future events that we'll cover here in the Black Armory. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then, um, and Yuki Saito is, you know, the, the, uh, Japanese influence within the Black Armory. Uh, her clan symbol is the hook and the fish symbols that you mm-hmm. see on things like Izanagi's burden um and and other other weapons so uh and uh so there's this little blurb from actually a quest it was like the the text of a quest uh that kind of explains their roles so it says all three played a vital role in producing armory weaponry henrietta designed them Helga built them, and Yuki perfected them. So, it sounds like uh, you know Henrietta made the designs, made the schematics. Helga, being the engineer, actually built the things, and then Yuki, I'm assuming, did testing and iterations and like refining of those designs based on prototypes. I'm I'm curious if because. If, I'm curious if, if Yugi is, a, is more like a software engineer. Maybe so. Yeah. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I always took it as. Because, like, when we think of, of guns with, with software in them, th- my first thought always goes to Darcy. Right? Because it, 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 yeah. it, is, it is literally an intelligence in a gun. For It literally describes itself as, as intelligence in a gun. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious as to how much of the Black Armory weaponry has software in it to make it better than than everything else around it it's it's implied at least through these lore cards that essentially black armory weaponry is the best stuff ever made during this time period literally um, the greatest. like bar none nothing else can touch it even even clovis technology can't touch what they're doing yeah. on the weaponry side of things and it's 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 interesting too because when you look at the gun entries, uh, or or the names of the guns themselves, when you're when you're looking through your collections, uh, the experimental versions are just regular guns, right? Like uh, Gilliard. Gilliard is a normal auto rifle. Then there is, mm-hmm. or I think it's Gilliard 42. And then the experimental version is Gilliard 42 XN 73821. So it's yep. it's some. Uh, not not perfected version of Gilead, but it, there's definitely some portion of it that is, has been changed to be this experimental type. 
for yeah. specifically for black armory uh prototyping use and actually that's another cool point that they bring up uh all of the weapons that are made from the black armory are all named after people that uh that they knew in yeah. in some way or or have a representation of people that they knew in some way so the the thought being that like you are literally bringing a family member into the fray to defend your family kind of kind of thing um which i just kind of thought was was interesting oh Uh, absolutely it it just it to me it's it's it kind of reinforces that family thought right like that that as much as these three people are not blood related they very much view each other as a family and the black armory itself is a family mm mm-hmm yeah um and you you can see that in uh especially in the exotics uh you know izanagi's burden is probably the the most on the nose option uh one you know the burden of uh in this case the the burden of uh like guilt in some cases felt by by saito oh my god you want want a sad lore entry and we'll get to that point in the story yeah Go go go! Read Izanagi's burden, shot for shot, and we'll probably end up doing that either in this episode or the next. If, if you don't cry, you're not you're not real. You're not a human. Yeah. So you have you have that. Um, you have uh, you know Jotun, which is uh, referencing you know the at least as I've read it, and I have not researched this, so I'm going off the cuff a little bit. But um, I always took Jotun to be I. Uh, Jotun in the Norse, the Norse yep. way, uh, which I'm pretty sure were the Frost Giants, um, so. or, right. or Giants of some sort. Um, and then La Monarch, uh, or Le, Le Monarch. Uh, no, 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 no. La Monarch. Yeah, that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, is the, uh, you know, gun, or the bow, I guess, not gun. Um, attributed to uh, Henrietta uh, being, mm-hmm. you know, she being French, the butterfly, the butter, you know, the monarch uh, butterfly, and that that being the symbol of her her clan. Uh, so very very personal for everyone in this group. Uh, not only what they're doing and and the uh, reasons yeah. behind it, but also what they're creating. All have these these personal touches to them. Um, however, they weren't always on the same page as far as what the trajectory of the armory should be. No, no. Uh, so entry 41 at, here. At the end of the day, they definitely still have very much uh, different visions for yes. the armory. Yeah. So entry 41, our forge is up and running the first of its kind. This is momentous for us, for the black armory. I should be thrilled should be in the keyword, but I didn't ask to build a mobile weapon factory. I didn't come up with the idea. Helga and Yuki did. We're growing fast, too fast, which means mass production, which in turn means less control over our work, how it's distributed, who it's distributed to. It means more weapons to defend ourselves. Yes, but not in every single person's hands. That was not my vision. Power without control leads to chaos. It's a give and take. 
and nothing says less control quite like placing portable weapon printers all around the world. Hell, they're even discussing putting them on other planets. So, what's being discussed here are what we were were activating and using during the season of the, the Black Armory, during the season of the Forge. Uh, the the you know pods i guess for lack of a better term um those were sure. the forges that they that they created the first one of in this entry uh and it sounds like henrietta had this this idea of a much more uh close knit like you know we're going to make a group and we're going to defend ourselves and and we'll maybe reach out to to others that we deem worthy of our of our weaponry uh whereas yuki and helga are more along the lines of like hey we need to get a weapon in the hands of every single human being so that they all have a chance of survival uh it's it's funny too because more recently when i think of of something in in real world perspective uh because the the new Matrix movie is, is coming out, and so I, I went back and watched them. And one of the lines in one of the movies is, "I'd put a weapon in every man, woman, and child, and march them straight into the into the forefront to fight these things." So, it, to me, that's very much a, a, a an idea mm-hmm. that Helga and Yuki kind of have, but Henrietta not so much. Henrietta no. is very much like, "Yeah, family can have this, but Joe Blow, neighbor guy." Nah, he can be fodder. It's fine. I don't really care about him. Yeah, and for for lack of a better term, Henrietta is. I I can understand her viewpoint. I can understand the the concept of like, <laughs> I don't want to give every single person one of one of my perfected technology guns because I don't know what every single person is going to do with them. Yeah. Um, and you got to remember, darkness has not invaded yet. Like they are still working in pure hypotheticals right now. Uh, they're pretty sure something's coming. They don't know what that something is. They don't know for sure that that something is bad at this point. And if I'm uh, not mistaken, the traveler is on IO at this point. Yes. The traveler has not moved. Um, so, so it's, it's terraform Mars. It's terraform Venus. Mm-hmm. It, it Mercury has become its garden world. And it is it is now terraforming different moons. Uh, one of Titan, I think, has already been terraformed. Yep. Uh, and and now Io is is being terraformed. Which it, I had to do some looking. What is Nessus? Nessus. Nessus, the place Nessus that we go to in Destiny. What is it? I was pretty sure it was, well, maybe it wasn't a moon. Because um... just today I found a interesting thing that made me question everything about Nessus. And it's up near the, the crash ship where when you're playing through the old Red War campaign, uh, the crash ship is, is, is where you first find signs of, of failsafe and then the um, Cade as well, because um, you're you're going to Nessus to look for Cade, and then up and up above it, there's a little ledge sticking out from a vex wall that's a scannable, and you scan it, and it says Nessa has been Nessus has phased into our solar system for the last 127 years. So, um, 
Nessus is a real place. Just it is? putting that out there. Okay. It is a real place. Uh, known as uh, Nessus 7066. Uh, it is a centaur or minor yeah. planet with an irregular orbit around Saturn. Um, oh, located beyond Saturn in the outer solar system, but is closer to the sun than Uranus. So, so it's not exactly a planet, it, it's, but it's not a moon of something. No, essentially, it's it, my understanding from, from this little blurb on Wikipedia is, you know, you have planets like Earth, you have dwarf planets like Pluto, and then no, centaur. No, 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 no. Don't you, don't you bring that Scientology BS in my chat. Pluto is a damn planet. Fight me. <laughs> Pluto doesn't exist in Destiny yet, so I don't care about Frickin it. Freaking Pluto. Uh... <laughs> Stupid Pluto. All I'm saying, all I'm saying. catch a freaking break. Pluto so was no. the one that had the first opportunity to stop the darkness, and it didn't. So and I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. He just but, sat there, just a dwarf, just yep. oblonged orbit around the around the sun at the very edge of our solar system, going, nah, it's, no, it's fine, bro. No, it's, it's, it's cool. Fine. Uh, they're dicks anyway. He'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> fine. They they don't even classify me as a planet anymore. They can't decide. Fuck them. There, it's fine. So uh, yeah, small <laughs> smaller than that, like. Which, which... We think of the nine. <laughs> it's literally the nine inside Pluto, like the essence of Pluto, going fuck these guys, man. They don't. They won't even acknowledge me as a planet, but as a real planet. They can't decide if I'm a dwarf planet or a real planet. I'm a person, man. Well, I, I'm an entity. I don't even know what person is, so I'm a thing. But yeah, it's pretty I'm, I'm betting he was one of the five. <laughs> yeah. I'm betting he was one of the five that was like, screw humanity. It, it, I'm, I'm going to go join the darkness. A little comedy for our for our yeah. future episodes of the nine and past episodes of Talked About Nine. They will have their own episode someday. They will have their day. Maybe someday soon. We'll see. But I uh, people anyway, so I don't care about them. Yeah, they, they won't know. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, Nessus is smaller than Pluto, though. So Nessus it's, is smaller it's, than Pluto. It's, it's a centaur. That's what they call it. Planet. So, yep. I, and that's that's what I was trying to figure it out too, because I, every time I kept reading about it, it seemed like it was like a, a like a distant planet or something like that. Well, and it, it is, you know, it, it it's before after Saturn, but before Uranus, Uranus like and it's, very recently discovered. Like like it was only discovered in like like 1993. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I think the lore entry you found of it being phased into our solar system, I wonder if the traveler literally dragged it closer to the sun as part of its terraforming. Could have been. Uh, because we, we know that when it hauled ass past Titan, Titan literally like shifted, elongated and, and shifted back into a sphere and like almost to an egg and then out to a sphere. Like it, it destroyed yeah. Saturn, it destroyed Titan by zooming past it so fast. So we know that it has some sort of gravitational, which, and we've talked about this too, anything with mass inherently has to have gravity because gravity is a property, or yeah, gravity is a property of mass or vice yeah. versa, one or two. Though, though, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little off, off rails here and then we're going to have to reel it in. But, um, oh, we've been off rails for like 20 minutes, man. I don't know where you've been. <laughs> given the size of the traveler, 
Because you gotta realize we we've we can see it. We can look in the tower yep. and stare yep. at it. It's big, but it's not that big. Right. It's so not how big. It's not the size freaking of a moon. dense does that That's... thing have to be to have a gravitational pull to affect a planet on a, on a moon? Not a planet. Uh, a moon. A planet. You're right. You're right. It hasn't. We we haven't seen it have any effect on Earth, and we haven't seen it have any effect on jupiter or saturn or even mars or mercury or anything like that we as far as planets we know that it is not dense enough to affect the gravity of a planet but it is dense enough to affect the gravity of a moon well no you know i've i've solved i've solved it right there so it was using this, this is gonna be silly but you never know uh are you are you gonna, the... are you gonna... I know where you're going. I, in my head, I already know where you're going. I don't, but go ahead. I don't know I'll if you. It. I don't know if you do. Uh, so, <laughs> the original uh, subclasses, and arguably even stasis, as we've talked about, are all based on uh, real astrophysical. Uh, I won't say elements, but properties. We'll say properties. I, I like the word properties. Void is based on gravity. God damn it. I we know... I knew, I knew it. I knew you were going to do this. Go ahead. We know that Void uh, has, through the use of things like Blink, has the ability for, uh, you know, transportation. Um, so perhaps being the supplier of light, it makes sense the Traveler can also use the abilities of light Maybe it was just voided up as it was shooting across the solar system, and that's how it was shooting across the solar system. And by nature of void being a force of gravity, it off it had more gravity at the time it was doing that. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. It's like you, it's like you live in my mind. It's it's like it's like the two of us literally just live in the same mind. And we're just bar like, we're just sharing it between each other every once in a while. Well, that it's was, my turn now. That was literally <laughs> the thought that I had. I was like, "All right, if he brings the thought that void is a property, and void is grab," and you did, <laughs> did you went there? All right, all right, you. All right. Well, we're going to we're going real back. We're real continue back. Continue on with your black armory BS. <laughs> uh, traveler, rhetoric. Rhetoric. Yeah, propaganda propaganda your anti-traveler propaganda yeah so needless to say <laughs> they the black armory i'm gonna go grab a drink all right the black armory has um has decided and and uh henrietta despite having misgivings towards it has still greenlit the production of these weapon factories these these uh forges and they're planning to put them all over Earth and on other planets, uh, as we see, you know, comes true uh, because we interact with these forges on other planets during our time uh, in the season of the Black Armory. It's not, it's not even a real planet. It's whatever. So entry fifty. T Today I gave Helga a piece of my mind. She came to me with another opportunity for the armory, another chance to increase our production. But this project 
is really crossing a line for me. Exos. I never liked the idea of them in the first place. They're not humans. They don't have a soul. They're nothing but the experiments of humans playing God. Since when has that gone well? If one day they decide they don't like the rest of us, what recourse do we have? It'll be slaughter. Thinking about combining that technology with ours makes me sick. So, uh, there's there's a to, part two to, to that, this as well. Like, but, to, to me, that portion of, of that says that it, there is some sort of software in the guns. Yeah. What is, what is software to a computer other than the soul of a computer? A lot of ones and zeros. Uh, hey, you shut your mouth. <laughs> get that, get that traveler and, and rhetoric out of here. <laughs> so, but what what I, this? I also think of X. So it's funny when she when she says that line of, of they don't even have a soul. There, there's an episode of Family Guy where where Chris is talking to Brian. He's like, you're a dog. You don't have a soul. And in my head, I'm like, that's Helga. Just looking at the Exo like, you're an Exo. You don't have a soul. And the Exo is just like, ouch. Rude. So it's, it's an interesting, there's, there's a couple tidbits here. Uh, One, this is just kind of reinforcing uh, Henrietta's person, personality or, or, I don't know if prejudice is the right word, but to, the tendency I, I to not prejudice is yeah. The, 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 she doesn't want to believe in anything that isn't a, something she perceives as a human. Yeah. Um, and you know, at first it was the traveler and now it's exos. Exos are different. They aren't people. We can't trust them. I don't want to deal with them. I, uh, and you know, going so far as to say they don't have a soul, I, at this point in time, I don't know. We talked about this a little bit before with with the Penguin episode and and Micah Ten. I, I don't think that it's common knowledge that the Exos are people, are our no. consciousnesses in a metal in a robot body. I, I very much think the general public perception is that they are just robots, essentially. Yep. Very, very uh, well-made AI robots. 100% with you on this one. Like, they, I, I, I don't think... I think it is a long time. Like, I think it's through the collapse and even then some, like, that... that I, I, I don't want to say we as humanity realize that they are what they are that they are human consciousness in a robot body but it like even up until um beyond light itself Mm -hmm. we still we we as the player still didn't really have a full understanding of Of what what they were were. yeah and and so i i think the entire destiny universe is under that same assumption up until the point up until beyond light like when we finally start reporting our findings back to Zavala and and Ikora and Cade, well, like, wow, that got awkward real quick. Uh, <laughs> well, Cade knew about the Deepstone Crib, and and technically, technically, we learned about these um, about the the origins of Exos, or or had a uh, 
a glimpse into it uh, from Cade's journals. Back to where we where we were. Uh, Helga wants to bring in Clovis and Braytech uh, to utilize the exotechnology uh, to make the Black Armory's uh, products better, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so we, we saw that Henry was very much against this and had, you know, gave Helga a piece of her mind. Uh, but we can also see some of Helga's side to this argument through the Jotun card, the Jotun lore card. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, in there, uh, Helga sends to Henrietta, look, you sought me out, brought me here to this project in large part because of my connections. This is the gold mine. And I know I haven't said the best things about them in the past, had my share of hiccups with them. They're not perfect, but again, neither are we. What the armory is doing, many would lump us both together. I know that's not the best sales pitch, so let me put it in perspective. Enemy of my enemy. It's that simple. We're all prepared to fight the same threat, whatever it may be, and we all stand to lose the same things. Our best bet is to stand together, and we start that process here, one step at a time. Exos are the future, and we can help make them better than ever. So we we learn a little bit more later on about what their actual, uh, what Helga's idea is of a better than ever EXO, and exactly what kind of integrations of technologies they want here. Um, but presumably, this goes well enough that they do that. The Black Armory does end up with some. Braytech resources. Something. Uh, whether something. whether it's a, a a creation pod, whether it's whether it's schematics, whether it's software, something. Something from Clovis Bray Industries is is brought into the Black Armory. Yes. Uh, so this argument happens on entry fifty, and then our next entry skips ahead to sixty seven. So presumably a, a little bit of time has passed here. Um, like I said, we don't know if these entries are once a day, once a month, once a week, who knows. Um, but some time has passed. Uh, and this entry starts with the traveler is on the move and they say it's coming here to earth. I didn't take the news of Titan's evacuation seriously enough. I should have, I should have listened to Helga and Yuki. This is bigger than just me. It's about all of us. If Project Niobe can help humanity, then it's our duty to press forward with it. If it means working closely with some unsavory types, sometimes that's the cost of protection. Uh, so this is Henrietta kind of coming to terms with the fact of like, okay, this isn't about this, me this and my bias. This is happening and we need to do everything in our power to... Which is defend ourselves Which is genuinely mind-blowing like it's like we knew we we knew that there was an anomaly out there right and now and that that was all the way back in entry 10 or t uh entry what i think 25 25 okay yes 25 so we're entry six so we're at entry 67 now okay if let's say these things are in in once a month that's like what 30 something months that's three years 
Yeah. Uh, if, they're, if they're once a year, then they then then they're definitely not once you, a year. You know what I mean? Like like if, but, if they're yeah. even just once a month, we're talking a three year time span from the time that they were like, "Hey, we need to get this stuff going." To holy shit, travelers hauling ass. Titan Titan got ripped apart. Titan got destroyed. Which there's a whole entry on on the last days of Kraken Mare, which is which is literally the last humans on Titan as the traveler whisks by and says. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So the, it, it's it's very. I don't. I don't want to say not disheartening. It's it's very. For for. It's that that moment where that sense of, so, when you know something, when you when you see the possibility of something bad happening, you know, whatever that may be in in real life, but everyone has had that scenario where they they know that oh this this may not turn out all that well. And then when you get to that moment and the realization that like, no, it, it really isn't like it, it's that bad thing really is happening. Like there's that, that panic that like that yeah. dread. And I, I, I have to think that that, that is what Henrietta is feeling right now. It, I'm sure what, what all of them are. Um, I, 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 at first I think of it as like a, like a, self-fulfilling prophecy but that's that's more of like like if if well you know i i told you this was going to happen type thing yeah and, and for her it's 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 less of a oh i told you so and more of a oh god i didn't i i knew it would be bad i didn't i didn't calculate for it to be this bad right well and i i also think like up until this point it's always been preparation for an mm -hmm. unknown something and they always had the the chance that whatever this anomaly was wasn't hostile yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's also the realization of like, no, things are, you know, now ba true. bad things this, are happening. Like it's, it's gone from preparation to, 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 to you know, uh, actual defense. Yeah. Um, and, and we see that reflected very clearly in the very next entry. So from 67 to 68. So just a single entry between in this case, um, says they are here and they are real. I can't believe we were so right and so wrong to think that we could stop this. To say we were naive would be an understatement. We simply didn't know. Their power, their strength, it's insurmountable. As they draw closer, all we can do is hide and hope that the facility doors will be strong enough. It's utter chaos out there. Too many put their faith in the traveler. I don't know what sort of answers people expect from a gigantic ball in the sky. It remains silent, as always. At least I'm with her. Being with family is what matters in the end. There is no more hope. Only the screams of humanity. So That shit got dark real fucking quick. This is one of the few accounts we have from somebody going through the invasion of the darkness the actual invasion the the full like we had a little bit of mara and and the excess screen but that was that was a that was a fleeting second compared to what and Helga that and and and, and, and I, I keep forgetting her name um henrietta, henrietta yep. and and yuki that the three of them and and whatever's left of 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 black armory 
I'll call it Black Armory Labs, for, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they are about to experience everything. Like this, this is what what I what I think of like the the the, the apocalypse, the, the the beginning of the end. Like there is no hope. There there is only the screams of humanity. Like it, it's dark. Like it it shit just got real and it got dark real fast. Well, and what this tells us, and and we we don't know. There are no descriptions of it uh, here or in any of the other few accounts that that are out there. Um, is that when the darkness invaded, it wasn't just it wasn't just a force or a singular entity. You know, the the darkness, the winnower, like this was an invasion and there were there were things out there that that the darkness brought with it that were you know instigating this this cleansing you know that were were there uh tearing these worlds apart uh and and mass so could that have just been hive maybe um you know there or or taken i suppose uh, or or even fallen. I don't think it would have been fallen. They would have been too attached to the light. Yeah, like I, I don't think that. Well, the darkness would not have used the fallen as because there, there's never been a connection there. Like the 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 Elixni have certainly come after humanity to try and get the traveler back, but they suffered at the hands of the darkness via the whirlwind just as much as humanity does during the collapse. Um, I don't see them. Yeah, I I don't foresee them so, being so servants the of. Are very much kind of cross caught. The fallen and us are basically caught in the crosshairs of a battle that we we don't even know that we're fighting. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. And say, and I, I don't believe the Elixni came on to, or, or the, you know, truly the Fallen at this point, um, came onto the scene until after the the collapse, until after the darkness had invaded and retreated, um, because you know it talks that talks more about them like scavenging the remains of humanity, not necessarily being the the instigators that led to you know, led to the collapse. Um, but there's something out there, be it something we've seen already as, as guardians or something that we have yet to cross paths with. Something came with the darkness and tore the world apart. Uh, and they talk about it a little bit here and there. Uh, says the howling is loudest at night by dawn. The quiet returns and with it, the horrid smell that brings the dogs, I long for the moment I can pry those doors open and leave this place. So they're essentially just huddled in a bunker. Uh, you know, very, very uh, Fallout style, you know. I, in a... I personally saw that as uh, as the old Niobe, um, uh, the, the old Brugosia Forge. I think that's exactly what it is. Uh, I, think, I think that's where they're at. I think... 
the fact that that forge is in the European dead zone, and we know that all these guys are in Europe right now. Yep. No, I think that's I exactly that to be because the Bergosia yeah. Forge, that that entry level of the Bergosia Forge, is where the Niobe Labs challenge yep. took place, yep. uh, and where the we Niobe open that door. Yep, and the Niobe project is what they were working on at, at the time. Um, yep. So I think that's absolutely where they were. Uh, so now we get to entry 71, which is where these things that have been going bump in the night, uh, make themselves known in a physical sense. It says last night we awoke in the middle of the night to the sound of something pounding on the walls. It roared and stomped and howled in frustration until it found the doors they didn't hold. I never saw it. We were too occupied, blindly firing around a corner. I just remember the smell of wet earth and a sound I've never heard before, like a machine being stretched and compressed. When it was over, we'd lost members of the Black Armory family, and the thing, whatever it was, got away. I lost one of my sisters, Helga. So... Something broke in. Whatever one of these. No, like I, I can't even. It in my head. I'm trying to like figure it out. Like, like you know, was this a fallen? No, I, I think, I think we hit it right on the nose there. Like the fallen and the darkness, I think have no connection. I think, I think you're 100 percent on the nose there. That we, they, and us are just, we, we're just caught in the middle of a battle that we haven't, mm -hmm. that we truly have no purpose or meaning of, of in being part of but we just happen to be there yeah. um the to me and and then like a machine being stretched and compressed okay well to me that says vex you know how is this a is this a true vex invasion here i don't know we we know that clovis bray was was screwing around on on europa with a vex portal we know that Mercury is a Vex world. We know that Nessus has tons of Vex there as well. Like it, it, it's maybe. So, but the howling to me, the howling comes back to Hive. I'm not sure. I I am of the mindset that this may be something we have not come across yet in game. We've never um, even seen yet. And and they very intentionally, this, I think, don't could give this us possibly be. Could could this possibly be what we know as the veil? Or the darkness, the army. Maybe so. Um, that's kind of what my mind goes to because they very intentionally do not give us a description. They they specifically say that that no one saw it. No one that survived saw it enough to provide a description um they're literally and the, shooting shooting around blind corners the like smell just, just of spraying, spraying bullets yeah they're just spraying around a corner the smell of wet earth and a sound i've never heard before like machines being stretched and then compressed i i would need to look it up to be sure but i feel like we have heard 
that sound described similarly somewhere else. And I want to say it was on the Glycon, but I don't remember for sure. And if it was on the Glycon, we know the Glycon was directly talking with the darkness, the entity. The entity. So this would have to be a, a, a this would have to be a, I, th- I think, Man, I I think that this is the darkness. I think this is its personal army. I, I don't think it's the more and more I'm thinking about it like that, the more and more I'm thinking this isn't the hive. This isn't the when 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 the speaker talks about um, the darkness came and and that was the end of everything. Mm-hmm. I I truly think that there was a darkness army. I think there was an army that was whatever we want to call it, like if we want to call it the veil, which is, which is about the only thing we have to go off of. And that's yeah. a very, very obscure D one prototype, uh, uh, not prototype, um, uh, concept art, concept art. Uh, and, and whatever that direct army is, because like we think of taken too, like taken, we know is now just, it's just a power. It's, it's, it's it's an ability that can be used. It's it in itself is not necessarily darkness, and the taken themselves are not necessarily the darkness's army. No, they're just being controlled, being manipulated. Um, yeah. In the same way that you know, stasis is not the darkness. It is a right. power. Stasis is a tool of the darkness, deriving from the force, the darkness. Yes. But it is not, not the entity, not of the, the entity, not the, of the not the not the place, of the darkness. Like it, it, it's, man, I I I think we're on something here. I th- I think this this is the, maybe not the the only, but I I think this is the only written account of darkness, of of an army of darkness being used during the collapse, and and and. This is this is what survived. So there's one other account that comes to mind um, of somebody that was there during the time that uh, the darkness was attacking and was directly attacked by presumably one of these beings if not the entity darkness itself and that person is our good old cade six uh i'm trying to find the entry now but he describes in one of his journals uh essentially what were his last moments prior to being um prior to becoming a guardian, I, his death prior to becoming a guardian, uh, and kind of the experience not, and, of, and, and he, he is not, let's see if I, let's see if I can put all this, these words in, in order. Um, exos, when we think of an exo, when we, when, it, when we look at an exo and we call it by its name, a, a name and a number, that is how many times that exo was reset. Not, that's how many times he was risen and reset as a guardian. 
So true. Cade yep. six had six resets. Six had already had six resets. So, and I I think a majority of these EXO resets happened with while Clovis Bray was fighting the EXOs or fight, fight sorry not the EXOs fighting the uh, the Vex and the portal that he built. Now we know that the Vex manipulated the piss out of Clovis, and possibly the Darkness did the same. We're not a hundred percent sure. Like would. I mean, I, I say we're not. Darkness totally manipulated him as well. Like, there's no one way about it. But when we think of that, when we think of it as Cade Six's last, um, his last words of being alive, it wasn't like this was Cade's five words. This was literally Cade Six, his, his final words, or his final thoughts, entry, whatever, and then... And and then he dies and becomes the guardian Cade Six. Mm-hmm. So go 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 ahead with your entry. Yeah. So um, I still haven't found that exact one, but I did stumble upon something else that's interesting. Jesus uh, Christ! If we've just found like thirty entries that deal with the collapse itself, I'm just gonna. So this this is off. not this is not dealing with the collapse. However, I it's interesting. This is dealing with the drifter, and what he discovered on the planet of ice that he goes to uh which uh, this this is not a drifter episode it was not europa um (laughs) say if you have not looked into the the lore behind the drifter you really should because he has dealt with some crazy ass shit he's he's been through Uh, some shit man he is if if anyone in this universe deserves to be nuts it's him yeah so he, along with a number of, of other I, guardians, I guess deserves is too too strong a word. Yeah. If, if anyone in this universe is entitled is to, to be, be nuts, is yeah. entitled to be nuts. Yeah, he's, it's it's him. Yeah, you, um, you go nuts, dude. So the drifter, along with a, a fire team, not of guardians, but just of risen at this point of of light bearers, um, were were essentially treasure hunting, and ended up in this ice planet. And they came across beings on this planet that were imprisoned in the ice. And he described them as the creature looked like it shared common bioenergetics with the hive, but there were no records then or since that I've ever seen of humanity encountering them. And the feature had a, and these had a property that the hive do not they produced a field that suppressed light. Uh, so he... That's, that's darkness. Like, that is literally the armies of darkness. That is literally... Like, when you come up to the pyramid ship in the moon, while you're doing shadow keep, the darkness suppresses the light in your ghost and talks through your ghost. So I would not be surprised if what Drifter found encased on this ice planet are very similar beings to what were used to what attack. I I need to dive into his his story to figure to to bring that up. Um I know for a fact it was not Europa. This was outside of our solar system. Um holy shit. He he has traveled far. Uh, I it was he had traveled that far. I, if I recall correctly, he has gone outside of our solar system and, and gone to other systems within the galaxy. Uh, 
but Coming all of that all of that for a different for day the story of the drifter <laughs> <laughs> this is our teaser uh quick teaser so unfortunately so we bring us back to to this this event this thing breaks into the black armory uh kills a number of the members including helga and we learn that henrietta's daughter was also injured in the attack and she has fallen unconscious that was entry 72 the next entry is 92 i'm told this is bigger than me that i'm not allowed to forget that again who in their right mind could do that who in their right mind their right mind maybe that's it why i'm considering this in all my desperation i'm not really in my right mind this whole thing was about life it still is it has to be. So I'll do it. I have to do it. For her. So Henrietta is uh, having to deal with a choice of some sort here. Um, I Presumably around her daughter, based on, on you know saying she has to do this for her. Uh, and it's something very, very difficult for her to do um but she's she's just come to the point of desperation that she needs something to come out of all of this at this point now now it's 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 past the point of like we're fighting for humanity we're fine it has now officially become personal yes like i just i i need her to survive I, I need to do this for her so we come to entry 93 immediately after yuki is in the lab it's happening right now my anxiety is out of control the universe is getting smaller every day as humanity is dismantled piece by piece if we don't stop the bleeding what will become of us in the end all my reservations about manufacturing guns are gone we have no other choice I hope everything goes well. Rushing the process might not have been a good idea. This sort of thing have never <clears throat> this sort of thing has never been done here on Earth. We're definitely not going to be able to call Clovis Bray in case of hiccups. My life's work is in Yuki's hands right now. So uh reinforcing that uh humanity is being dismantled piece by piece across the system every settlement is being attacked presumably um and that they are you know the the process that is happening in yuki's lab is something that they are only able to do because of equipment or resources that they have received from clovis bray prior to this and i i took this as as two things the first one being the 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 first one being the um man this, this is this i'm gonna cry again i know i am uh <laughs> this sort of thing done on earth we're definitely not going to be able to call clovis bray in case of hiccups 
that to me says they are putting a human consciousness into an exo. Yes. And everything about those two sentences says that a, it's literally never been done anywhere other than Europa. That's my impression as well. And B, they kind of don't have a clue what they're doing. Right. Helga was the only one that had worked at Braytech prior to this that we know of. She was killed in the attack. She was killed in the attack, and she was working at Braytech as an engineer, not necessarily someone dealing with the actual consciousness transfer. Um, And I'm thinking that, and, and because of this, the fact that Yuki is working on it, that to me reinforces the thought that Yuki is a software engineer. That would certainly lend credit to it. Uh, but it, it's it's incredible to think about the fact that not only are they doing this, but they're doing this with people that, you know, maybe, hopefully... Helga has divulged all info that she she knew about the EXO program, but Helga seemingly left before the EXO program was completed. Yep. And Yuki, who is the one doing all of this work right now, was not part of Braytech, has not done anything with EXOs prior to this, presumably. I... Uh, and yet is is now entrusted with you know with with doing this with with turning a person into an exo um and there there's so many questions i have here like the the obvious one being where the hell did they get an exo body did they just straight up build it did they find one did did they come across one did the forge make one we know the forge is used for making weapons did it just make a body? Did they just turn, do whatever they could do to make a body with it? Like, so how how did they come up with the idea? If 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 nobody knows that exos are a human conscious in an exo, how do they know that this will work? How do they know that this is a thing? So, in my opinion, I think some of these questions are answered later on, okay. um, but. I, I can only assume that you know Helga knew what Clovis Bray's eventual like what his his end game was. She knew that okay, he too. wanted to eventually put human minds in exo bodies, uh, and by nature of him having exos, she maybe just assumed that he succeeded and assumed yeah. correctly if she did. Um. I, ass- I also assume that she would have shared any and all intel with her Black Armory counterparts. Uh, so maybe at one at one point they believed like everyone else they were just AI in a in a you know robots. Um, and I'm I'm curious if that was brought on because the collapse was coming, or the collapse was happening. So because that collapse was actively happening, now Helga's like I I need to tell you this in case if I don't survive type thing. I, I think it was before that even. Uh, I think so. I'm under the assumption that um, Henrietta eventually succumbed uh, to Helga's I you know Helga's pestering about like 
we really we we want to work with Braytech on this. Um, I'm assuming. I'm curious, I'm curious if that's because of like like Jotun's entry of. Yes. Exos are the feature. That's that's where I'm taking it. I'm assuming that they did contact Braytech or or Clovis Bray, and were provided with an Exo body with the intention of creating a prototype of their their project Niobe. So, here's a question. Did Clovis do this because he was still having trouble with DER? I don't think this, so. Was this was this his way of getting someone else to fix his problem and then him possibly come back and take all the credit for it? I don't think so. Um because uh, a couple of reasons. We saw uh, during during Micah's story that his uh, one of his parents, I forget which one, one of his fathers was the one that pioneered the the DER idea. Yep. And uh, there are exos already out in the world at this point. Um, okay. Like the I I don't get the impression that uh, he's providing them this these resources because he wants uh the exo problem to be fixed i get the idea that they are promising him they can make his exos you know exponentially better than they already are and he wants to pirate that technology essentially are we thinking weaponized exos i think that's absolutely what he wants uh, and by nature of what Project Naobi ends up being, I think he could have done it if given the chance. Or time. Yep. So, uh, say next entry, still they're still in the lab. Um, Henrietta, I sealed the damaged entrance as best I could. The busy work helped me ignore what was happening in the lab, what's still happening. But we can't stay here. They're going to attack again, and this time we won't make it. There's no time to finish the process in the labs. We'll have to do it on the road. We leave at dawn. Not only are they doing all this crap, potentially for the first time, you know, with with ha- you know, kit-bashed equipment, and who knows what state of affairs after this attack, but now they're going to do it while mobile. <laughs> like... That's crazy. That's, Holy cow. That, that's straight crazy. And But we do have to remember, by nature of the Black Armory technology being superior to everything else in the Golden Age, you know, these, these three women have made technology superior to everything else, including the giant company that Braytech is. Like, they must be... You know, geniuses amongst geniuses. Absolutely, to... absolutely, hundred percent. So, if anyone and, and to, could do to it, even, to even to even think about trying to do this idea of putting a human consciousness into a robot, you you got to be a a little crazy, a a, a little groundbreaking, ninety nine percent genius. You know, like there, there's yeah. so much in this that 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 says to me that these. These people of the Black Armory, not not just the, the the three founders of it, but like literally everyone in the Black Black mm-hmm. Armory are quite possibly superior to everyone in Clovis Bray. 
Oh yeah, like, I think Clovis absolutely. Bray got like the top two percent, and then like Bray, uh, Black Army got like the top one percent. Yeah, it's like yeah, we, we're just we're just a little better. So uh, prior to them leaving, uh, there's a very short entry. It says I buried her remains this morning. Yuki and I had a short ceremony. No time to look back. We have to leave. This is left, I think, intentionally ambiguous. Um, I buried her remains this morning. Yuki and I had a short ceremony. This could be... This could be Helga, who I think is who it was that they, they buried. I don't uh, know. I I took it as her daughter. That's the other I, interpretation. I as, and it's very possible as well. I took it as her daughter. Um but I'm I'm not sure just because of the next entry. Right. What but cuz the next entry makes it even more confusing. So <clears throat> yeah, but I don't know if it's her daughter by nature of the fact that they are traveling um in, in this. So ne- next entry, uh, entry 99. Only Because real quick, if, if, mm-hmm. we, if we think about entries, uh, entry 71 was where the attack happened and they lost Helga. 72 is where her daughter's unconscious. Yeah. And then... We're in the 90s. 90, 93 is where Yuki's in the lab. It's happening now. And then 95 is I buried her remains. So, I mean, we're talking basically 20 entries between the night of the attack and so even we gotta leave even if that's an entry a day that's still almost a month right so yeah that would it would make more sense to be her daughter then that's what i'm thinking yeah no i that's that's a good point um and the the thing that blows my mind like if if we are now getting into like entries are per day, like maybe the first couple entries were like per month, per year, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then like when they when we get into like the nineties, like it feels like it's literally every day. Yes. Like this is now a daily yeah. journal. No, and I I think so. I think there was a certain uh, catharsis to writing the events that the Henrietta mm-hmm. had. Like she she could escape for a little bit via writing in the journal. Mm-hmm. Um. So entry 99, only Yuki, myself, and three more of our Black Armory family remain. Well, the five of us and the EXO. I only caught a glimpse of her so far. So much is riding on that metal and synth body. We woke her today. I can't look her in the eye. So, Yuki... That, that to me, 100% says something uh, i don't i don't know if we want to reveal it now or if, or if we're going to kind of hold suspense for a bit uh let's let's hold suspense for a bit if we can okay. um and say i think some may have guessed already but uh so they now have this exo uh this exo is what yuki has been working on in the lab prior to this um and uh they they just woke woke her up uh, and, you know, Henrietta, prior to this, having a very, um, 
cautious approach to exos in general to say the least uh it's probably struggling with this in a number of ways um but so this this exo that's now part of their their party uh in the next entry it talks a little bit more about them so as the exo has so many questions for me i have some for her too but our current situation isn't the time or the place we took fire on the road this afternoon Fortunately, they were not as heavily armed as we were. My fears of putting weapons in the hands of everyone have come true. Humans just can't be trusted. We have the same enemies, you idiots. Even as the bones of civilization are picked clean, we continue to fight one another. So the the people that they took fire from as they're you know evacuating their lab to try and find somewhere safer... We're other humans. Uh, <laughs> pr- presumably, well, it doesn't say that they were wielding black armory weapons, but weaponry in general. Uh, yeah. And so we, we can see here that humanity or, or those that survived the initial uh, invasion, the initial wave of attacks. Uh, as, as shitty as this part is where it's like, fuck, human versus human, like everyone's, we're now officially warring with each other for the last bits of whatever it is to survive, whatever we think survival is now. And then they're like, well, fortunately they weren't as heavily armed as we were, which means the black armory really knows their shit when it comes to guns. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, but what this tells us is that civilization in general, in those that survived the initial wave of the, the darkness has dissolved to the point of every man for themselves. uh, shoot first, collect what little you can off the bodies and keep going kind of yep. kind of you know world that this is right mode. now whatever 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 that survival means survival full stop yep so the next entry here 104 we had some downtime so yuki wanted to test the exo's new functionality this was the entire purpose of the exo in the first place project niobe Helga's great experiment to make our weapons more deadly through a sort of on-the-spot phase transition of the guns. In other words, a walking, talking forge. Years ago, it was just an idea. Now, it's a reality. Seeing the Exo discover her ability was, well, thrilling. It was nice to feel something other than dread for a few minutes. And a few minutes was about all we got. So I'm going to stop here for a second. So this this informs us of a couple things. Uh, a it gives us something of a timeline. Uh, when Helga first thought about this project, which I assume was the Jotun entry, mm-hmm. uh, was years ago. Which gives us some indication of how much time has passed—at least a number of years. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to talk a little bit about the the Exo's special ability. Um, so the exo can can be a is a walking talking forge so uh, essentially the way i envision this working and the way that we've actually seen it work uh is that this exo can can take a uh, a piece of weaponry or or parts to a weapon and synthesize them into a black armory 
style or black armory grade uh you know piece of of weaponry um so this this is an exo that can produce uh the same level of munitions that the black armory was producing uh and is is as mobile a forge as you could ever hope for walking talking forge walking talking weapon forge so returning uh we were sloppy while the exo practiced using her ability we were ambushed by i don't even know what they were they were definitely not regular humans they had abilities that the rest of us don't we took one down we thought but then this little red drone lit up and he was on his feet again. We kept firing. They didn't expect to run into an armory on foot, so they ran. But not before killing some of us and wounding Yuki. She promised I'm still stuck with her, though. I'd be lost without her. These are risen. Our first encounter of risen. These Literally, are risen. This is risen. Like uh, these, these are the first. So so collapse has officially. I I, I don't I don't know what no happened like. I, I, th- to define the collapse as like a time period or, or anything is very hard because mm-hmm. we know it has a kind of a kind of a start. We know it has a definitive middle, and we know it kind of has an end. Well, but the, I, those two parts of it, the beginning and the end, are very, very, very confusing times. I think we have a little more reference for the end because. Uh, all of the the story we have heard, and granted we have... Well, I guess we do. We have the the uh, inter, the interaction Mara saw um, from the exit of the screen. The, the collapse ended, quote-unquote, when the Traveler pulsed light, did, did whatever it did to sacrifice itself to push the darkness out. Um, and... The same. The same presumably, pulse we saw at the end of the Red War. At the end of the Red War campaign. And presumably it is that same moment, that same pulse, that is also when the ghosts came into being. Yeah. Because when the dra- the Traveler created the ghost with its final breath. Like, that that's yeah. what the speaker says in D1. So, presumably when it, it pushes it, the darkness out, the ghosts are now freely roaming. And, and and as much as we see that as like an end to the collapse, like the fact that when it brings back guardians as as risen, as, obviously they're not guardians at that point in time. These risen are barbaric. These oh, yeah. guys are freaking horrible. Like, well, it, to to play devil's advocate just a little bit, you're you're not wrong by any means, but to to try and put ourselves in the impossible shoes of of this character for a moment you wake up have no memory whatsoever of anything not who you were not what the world was before uh of anything you've got this you know floating little light that is we don't know what what they're telling people at this point. We don't know what conversations these ghosts are having with these people, if, if any, um, cause we don't, we don't have any type of entries of 
risen ghost talking. No. No, no. Uh, well, I guess the drifter's ghost for a little bit. Um, okay. I don't remember exactly what those conversations were, just that the drifter didn't believe him as far as he could throw him. Uh, right. But so these these people are waking up, much like our guardian did, of course, but they're waking up immediately post-collapse. They're waking up into a world that is as on fire apocalypse as it can be. Yeah. And I, I think I, I would assume that a lot of these, these risen are um, probably just kind of terrified <laughs> of everything. Uh, I mean, that's so it's, 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 it's still interesting to me to think of, of, of risen and guardians and, 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 anything that the that the ghost has resurrected they have no memory right but it's it's just that they have no memory of who they are in their past life or the past they, of the world as a whole right so do they know fear do, is is fear in the memory is it it is 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 like what is presumably fear? i i would have to assume that all of those instinctual emotions are still there. Um, because I, I don't think of fear as a learned response. I think of fear as a, like, every single thing, you know, born and living to, to a certain degree has the the capability of fear. That's what keeps a lot of prey animals alive. That's uh, true. That so, is a very instinctual thing. I think so, of that so as more of a primal instilled thing. So so then so then is are like that has that has a bunch of interesting thoughts in in of itself that fear is very much a primal thing and that these risens that's like they they're they're brought to life this this little red blinking light is staring at them and you're they're staring at it going what in the hell is happening what is even going on I don't even know who I am where I am what I am all I know is I have powers. And the reason at this point also, and maybe maybe even the ghosts, we, we don't know, uh, have no foundation for knowing what their limits are. Like, yeah. you gotta, a risen doesn't know that they come back to life until they yeah. die again. Like, they, they, they don't know that resurrection and, and is then... a thing. <laughs> And even then, did they tell the other risen that, they, like, when they come across another risen, do they tell him, "Hey, I I know you can come back to life." Like, and does the other hey, risen you know believe you can come them? Back to life? Like... I died like six times. <laughs> like, yeah, shoot me in the face. Watch what happens. Watch, boom. <laughs> Look at that. Came right back. Yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> What's up with that? Uh, yeah. But and they don't know. Like, at this point in time, they don't know. Can can that just keep happening? Do I have right. like do I have a certain number of charges and then I'm truly gone? Like it, there's there's probably a lot of questions and and there wasn't a network where ghosts talk to each other and there wasn't a a, congreg- a place of for people to congregate and, and for reason to figure there stuff out. No uh, so not not to. <laughs> Not to defend the actions of these risen because they they are barbaric in a lot of ways, barbaric. Like, but horribly barbaric. They, I I will say that it's it's not beyond the realm of reason that 
they that someone in that situation would do these things. Sure. Um, but regardless, the these risen uh, attacked them, killed uh, the the members of the Black Armory, um, other than uh, Henrietta and the EXO and Yuki, who has been injured. And then, and and this this specific entry, like like that specific entry, also said, you know, they were definitely not regular humans. They had abilities. They had abilities. The yeah. Don't. We took one down. We thought, but then his little red drone lit up, and he was on his feet again. So, like they this this is like they are witnessing risen for the first time. Absolutely. Next entry then. Entry one hundred eight. One of the men who had attacked us returned, this time with an offer. He wanted the EXO. He had seen what she was capable of back at the truck, how she had turned our weapons into something even more deadly with nothing but her hands. The EXO stood, willing to sacrifice herself for us. I was horrified, but before I could say anything, Yuki lied and said she had the Obsidian Accelerator, that it was in her backpack. The obsidian accelerator being the thing that um, allows for this this mobile forging process to happen. The thing uh, that at the end of the Black Armory quest, like the final end of it, is us bringing it to someone. Mm-hmm. The man approached her cautiously as she was, as she quickly looked at me. That one last look, the same one that had calmed me down so many times. She reached for the backpack as the man drew near. So pause, yeah. pause there for a second. Yep. Because this, this is, this is, I, I, I have, I don't want to say I have the other half of the entry here, but we, obviously, all of us have the other half of the entry here. But I, I do want to read part of the other half of the entry here. Go for it. Because it's, it's contained within Izanagi's burden, and it says, "I have it," I say, feeling Henrietta's gaze, and this is from the perspective of Yuki. I have it, I say. Feeling Henrietta's gaze piercing through me, the EXO holds her back. Inside of that head of hers, I know she's screaming for me not to do it, but I have to. It's the it 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 is the kind of thing one does for love, the burden one takes on. I refuse to look back at her. I can't let those eyes stop me. What you want? The EXO doesn't have it anymore. I do. I tell the man with the drone. Tears are streaming down Henrietta's face now. She's shaking her head. I still can't look. I know the feelings that would flow through me if I did. Yuki, no, please don't. Henrietta cries, only to be interrupted by the man. Shh, darling. You'd best be quiet. You'd best quiet down. Let me and your friend here finish our little transaction. I've rarely seen her in tears. She's not normally the one to make them. Usually I'm the one who needs comforting, needs my eyes dried, and she's always the one to do it. Fearless Henrietta. Or Hen, yeah, fearless Henrietta. Well, Hen, today is my turn. Today I save you. The man scowls. His voice grows sharper. Hand it over, then. I won't ask twice. I nod and I try to stay calm. I try to use it to lure him in. A false sense of security. I'm just going to reach into my bag now. I tell him. He shakes his head. Not so fast, friend. He takes a few steps, stopping an inch away from me. The barrel of his cannon in my face. Let's keep any potential wrong moves to a minimum here, please. Then he nods for me to go ahead. I'm absolutely relieved. He took the bait. 
and now he'll pay the price. I can't just, I can't go just yet though. I need just one more glance, one last look at those eyes of hers. I can't help it. It's too late now anyway. My hand is in the bag and I've already pulled the pin. No turning back. My eyes dart to the side, to hers. They lock one last time. I'm at peace. I let her know with a smile. I hope she finds hers. I swear she's in my mind, hearing me say, good, and it cuts off. Because what Yuki has done is she's lured the man in, and she's pulled the pin on her grenade. And that's when the Exo grabs Henrietta, covers her as the grenade explodes, shielding me from the flaming shrapnel. Then she helped me up as we ran. I look back once. The man's red drone was shining its terrible light about the carnage, looking for its master. He'll get up again. He knows what she can do. He'll, he will be looking for us. Yuki, I'm so sorry. So... I fucking cried the first time I read this. So when I, like, as I'm reading this, and I, like, I'm, I'm reading through the entries, and then I, I, I remembered something as I was reading this entry, and I got to the end of this one, and I was like, wait a second. And I went back and read Isnagi's, and now that one hits so hard now. And it's just... That is the burden. That 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 is the 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 the. It, it, so so the, so the very first lore entry or the white text underneath his nagis is shame, feel, guilt, fear. We all bear them. Gather your regrets, purge them as best you can. Let your enemies feel the weight of your burdens, and and to have that all as a burden, like for Yuki to have that burden of, I'm I'm not gonna let this man take you. I'm not gonna let this man have that have. Our legacy, the, the the exo that's standing next to you, the 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 obsidian accelerator. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to do everything I can to my dying breath to stop this from happening. And it there, there's just God, there's so much emotion in those two entries there that it's just shit. You know, <laughs> no, there's no. There's no words to express it. It's it's such a powerful thing that happens there. And uh, as as a an accent to all of that, um, for those that are not aware, uh, Izanagi in Izanagi's Burden has a certain relevance as well. Um, so Izanagi in Japanese mythology is a creator deity whose sister wife Izanami uh, are the last of the generations of primordial deities that manifested after the formation of heaven and earth. So if we draw some parallels there, um, I, I don't know that they're implying that there is a, a, a marital relationship between the two. Um, but definitely a, a deep connection, uh, sisterly, if nothing else. I, I I still think of it as a sisterly. I still think yeah. of it like a, like like the, whatever bond that the three of them forged, <laughs> pun intended. There is is I mean they they forged that bond together. Henrietta, Yuki, and Helga. The three of them are so intertwined with each other. As much yes. as they drive each other nuts, as much as they piss each other off. 
as much as they they love each other, they, like they are family. They're they family. see each yep. other as family, and it's 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 that driving force that that led them to start the forges to to do this thing, to to say yeah we're gonna we're gonna start something here and we're gonna continue on with it and for then for then when reality hits and the collapse starts happening around them and the doors are getting kicked in and and. They're dying off left and right. They're like, we have to keep this going. We have to go. We have to keep this this moving. This this we have to keep all of this going. Or what was the point? Like this, it's it's. God damn, I'm gonna cry again. <laughs> and say and and you know I it it really gives some some more. I don't want to say credence. It, it it makes you think more about the the name of Izanagi's burden. Um, you know, again, Izanagi referring to uh, one of the last deities that manifested after the formation of heaven and earth. This is one of the last founding members of the Black Armory who created uh, this Niobe Exo, who created this, and before that created the Black Armory, this this revolutionary technology. Um and the the burden that comes with being the creator of all of this, uh, as well as being one of the last creators of all of this. Yep. So. Well, and then the the last two entries of that particular one is entry one hundred nine and one ten. Uh, three days later, still numb. It's unbearable. It's just me and her now. They spent the night under the wing of a crashed jet. Uh, I realize as I write this that I haven't seen a plane in the sky, not once since we set out. This is not the world I knew. Every time I look at her, I'm thinking about it. This is not the world I knew. Yeah, so just... So this is officially, like, this This is like the definitive time where Henrietta's like, it's just Henrietta and the EXO. Yep. The two of them are, are they, this is a new, this is a new world now. Like, this, this is, everything has changed from the beginning of the, of the, from the beginning of the founding of the black armory from the just the idea of i mean all the way back in entry 10 of of you know why do we trust this big old ball in the sky to we have to do everything we can to to help humanity continue on like whatever it is like (laughs) i knew i was i'm gonna cry again i swear (laughs) i am this is this 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 story like this right here like when it came to that point of like Yuki's gone, and now it's just the two of them. The world, humanity is collapsing around them, and 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 this this is where I say like like the collapse doesn't truly have an end yet. Like they're still coming across the, rhythm yeah. that are fighting each other. Like it's humanity, it's, humanity as we know it is still collapsing into whatever it's turning into. Well, into the dark age, essentially. Yeah. Um, yep. Is what what rises out of the the what immediately rises out of the collapse, and then eventually the yep. the city age. Um. So in the interest of time, I'm. I'm say, are, <laughs> are we? Uh, at our two? I told you we couldn't do this. In one we're episode, over. <laughs> we're over our two. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we want to use this as a break point. We're we're kind of close to the end of this first big section. Um, I say we can use this as a, as a, as an endpoint because like, okay. uh, uh, just looking at the entries, 
I don't necessarily want to skip over any of the entries that I follow. Really don't so either. like like a lot of these next few entries are very much. Uh, I think they're important. I, I think yeah. they're very much lend lend credence to the to the the story of the EXO and and the Black Armory itself. So yeah, I'm, I definitely said we're going to call it there. Um, in my head, episode ten is is we we have some good news and some bad news uh, for all of you PlayStation followers for us. Uh, this being episode ten, and and as 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 far as this has grown. It has now grown out of the control of PlayStation. <laughs> so uh, next week we are going to start uh, uh, streaming on uh, Discord. Um, for those of you that, that, that are watching this through uh, um, our producer, Eclipse, I, I know he's in here somewhere, uh, through his YouTube, uh, we're going to try to we're, – we're, we're, we're going to start this transition thing, and so this is going to be – between me, Myth, and, and, and Eclipse here, this is going to be a, a, a journey in of itself to hopefully have this up and running by next Monday. Uh, if, if we can't figure something out by next Monday, obviously we'll be right back here on, on PlayStation Network um, uh, continuing the story of, of Ada 1 and, and the legacy of the Black Armory. Um, well, on that note, by nature of this being a two-parter and leaving off the story where we did, do we maybe not want to make a platform switch in the middle of a, uh, a, a story like this? Should we maybe I'm make it not. next episode? I'm thinking, I'm thinking next episode, no matter Unless what. Unless we can good. figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every, every time we try to come up with like this little topic, it... It literally overflows into like this huge, enormous thing that brings up all these little things to it. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree with Myth here. I, I think we are going to be on PlayStation next week <laughs> to at least, at least finish out, finish uh, it out, yeah. Story. Um, so yeah. So with that, uh, uh, I'll, I, you know, me, I like ending with a with a bunch of thank yous. Um, my, my first thank you tonight is to Clovis Bray for being a megalomaniac and <laughs> wanting to see the world burn. Uh, my second thank you is to the three wonderful women of the Black Army Armory for standing up and saying, no, we will not go silent into the dark night. We will fight. We will stand. We will be the, the, the forgers of weapons uh, to help humanity live on. Um, and then, of course, a... Uh, 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 um uh thank you to to uh god man I, every i'm gonna cry again i i don't know i don't know if i'm just emotional tonight or what it is i feel the love in this room type thing i don't know uh <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you uh eclipse uh for for helping us along with this journey um thank you myth uh for for also helping like it I, obviously, without without you, these stories are just one guy rambling at, at nothing or, or crying into his pillow at night going, I'm so sad. Why do they have to die? No, hell no, 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 why? Um, Depending now, on the episode now. you listen to, it is still just one guy rambling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we have sound difficulties every once in a while. <laughs> 
Uh, Myth, do you have anything for for our viewers or, or for anyone? No, say you you do a good job of covering it each week. Um, so you know, I am just glad that we get to to keep doing this. It's definitely something I look forward to. So, I thank you and and everyone that listens here or or elsewise to uh, give us a reason to keep doing it. And uh, I'm excited to finish this story out. Come next Monday. Alrighty. Well, from all of us, lore nerds, uh, to all of you guardians out there, uh, thank you. And we'll see you next week.